One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello, ahoy and welcome to Always There, the Howard's Way podcast. I'm Julia Rayside. Thank you for joining me as I navigate through every single episode of the 1980s seafaring soap opera set in the fictional English coastal town of Tarrant. It would be a lonely voyage without you. And joining me this week to discuss series two, episode 10, the wedding episode, <laughs> is none other than Smirshpods, John Rain. Welcome back. Welcome. Thank you for having me. And it's a pleasure to be back. Is it really a pleasure to be back? I know you're not really a Howard's Way fan. No, I, I are I, you lying? <laughs> I enjoyed this episode. Did you really? I did. Is it because you're underneath that graph exterior a true romantic, John? Yes. <laughs> I knew it. I knew. I, it was, I saved this one for you especially. I knew. Aww. I knew it would crack your hard heart. Anyway, so we're on with the episode. So we join um, the Howard's Way cast. Well, actually, no. There's a helicopter shot of a dinghy sailing, which it's not initially clear who it is. And normally, sailing is like one of the Howard family. This is Davy, the guy who works at the boatyard, and he's uh, sailing on a lovely. It's very sunny. It seemed ominous, ominous, like he was going to be killed, and nothing happened. <laughs> Why? Because he looked so happy. <laughs> he, he looked, the last moment of him on that boat, he looked slightly concerned, like oh, something's not right. Yeah. And I thought, oh no, they're going to kill off Davy. Well, the cue is, what was the music doing? If the music's not doing sinister, Davy's fine. That's true, but it's an odd shot to begin with. No, what, I what, what's so. it doing in this episode? I don't know. It was just sort of a remember sailing. We haven't done that for a bit. I think it was that. <laughs> I, I was throughout this episode. I was thinking, remember Tom? Remember? Well, I, I, how could I forget him? Well, why he, why do we have to remember him? He's only in it at the end. <laughs> He's, For a while, has, I thought, has he gone? <laughs> he has a crucial role, though, obviously. Yes, he does. Um, no, I think they obviously had a helicopter because it was a helicopter shot of a sailing scene. So I guess they just wanted to make the most of it. And there's, I put, there's contented since. So Simon May's gone for. There's no sinister undertone here. No. I didn't get that. Clearly, you weren't paying enough attention to Simon May. I was on a train, to be fair. Well, just turn the volume up next time. He gives you all the important. It wasn't music. Howard's train. <laughs> Ah, it's strange. Um, so Davy's at the helm of this boat and yeah. there's like a bit of prow pushing through water, a bit of sailing porn, and then that's it. No more. Yeah. No idea why it's there, but I liked it. I always like sailing porn. And then we go back to the yard and this is this is the bit I immediately this this scene started, I thought, I know what John's gonna say. So let's see if I'm right. So uh, Leo is sitting in front of a PC screen, a very old like it's what is it, a BBC or is it it's DOS, oh, that's right. DOS or BBC, yeah. And he's playing Hangman, a very high tech game mm. of Hangman. And he's uh, he keeps on getting the wrong letters, and then he's hung. Yeah, <laughs> Leo is hung. Um, and I just I thought 
So last time John Rain was on this podcast, he had a theory. Um, <laughs> he was being facetious, but it kind of mm. played that Leo was secretly a serial killer. Yes. And uh, this did make me think of that. I think the way he played Hangman yeah. disconsolately made me think he might be a murderer again. And actually, it's, it started the whole ball rolling for me again. Well, I started thinking of the film War Games, actually. <laughs> I started thinking that if Leo was presented with, would you like to play a game, you know, thermonuclear war chess or yeah. Hangman, he'd go, oh, I'll play Hangman because I'm so boring. <laughs> I won't even think of hacking NASA or the CIA. Well, I will I literally play hangman. <laughs> I feel safer knowing he's not going to start World War Three. That's that present- else could do that. preventing the fun of war games. <laughs> the film will be over in five minutes. <laughs> it is a brilliant film, but I don't know if I could watch it now with such a light heart because, you know, we're all going to die in a nuclear war. Um, anyway, uh, back to Howard's Way. So Davy then comes in uh, to find Leo bored because he's got nothing to do. It seems that the job he's been taken on to do at the boatyard is to design sails. Yes. That's a triangle mm. <laughs> I reckon I could do that but he literally has no triangles to design today so he's really bored well he's just been writing I will kill again on them <laughs> which is not going down very well and people have been complaining yeah so he's he's thinking of Jackie in the job he's bored witless and you know mm. who could blame him and there's there's a dog on the way in as well that I've never seen before there are lots of new pets mentioned this week that have never been in the series before mm. so the boatyard appears to have a dog don't know whose it is yeah seems nice then we basically leave them discussing the fact that Leo's probably had enough and wants to leave uh, oh yeah that when, when Dave Davy comes in, Pat is acknowledged. Now, Pat is a non-speaking character, but who's kind of given quite a big build-up to, ne- to never speak. She's like the top sewing woman in the sale company or the bit of the... So she's know. like that woman who works on the stall in EastEnders that yes. never speaks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Watch the stall for me, whatever your name is. <laughs> and is it Mick? Yeah. There was a guy, wasn't there, with a beard? Oh, Didn't Ron. Didn't he die? Ron, that's yeah, Ron right. Ron Tarr. That's it. He's like a famous, you know, lifelong extra. Mm. I don't know if Pat ever achieved that status, but um, she certainly is very important in all the boatyard scenes now. Davey mentions that the boatyard might be building another catch. That's a type of boat, John. I'm an expert. Right. Uh, Leo is uninspired by that. Um, I imagine it was some sort of wicker man (laughs) to which Leo will burn his victims. (laughs) Why does he do it, though? Because normally isn't that like a sacrifice thing? He's bored. You've seen how bored he is. I just want to burn someone. (laughs) When he's not banging people, he's playing hangman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh dear Davey mentioned there's more work coming in Leo's uh, uninspired by that and he's also clearly very unhappy about Abby who's taken up with a man called Curtis oh, this who's is my... a dangerous character you mean Curtis Yeager yes that's right you've heard of him then <laughs> the notorious animal rights activist with a dark side he was amazing Yeah, he, he really was exactly is, what a middle aged man would think a hunt saboteur would look like <laughs> He looks more of a serial killer than Leo. No, he does actually. He, he wears those um, the same glasses as Hair Flick in Hello, Hello, yeah. those thin wire frames. It's very Hair Flick. And he drives a sinister camper van. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we know he's a wrong one. Anyway, yeah, so Abby's taken up with him. Leo, not happy about that. Clearly, he's got feelings for Abby himself, but he can't bring himself to say it. Back at the office of the boatyard, Avril has come and dressed as a pirate again, which is nice. I like that she themes her outfits yes. so nautically. And Jack is really excited because he's got a commission to build a really big wooden boat. But he kind of had to prostitute himself to get the commission because there's this woman called Caroline who's quite interested in him um, and who wouldn't be. I mean, he's had to wine her and dine her. He, several times, And yeah. 69 her. <laughs> did, did you do that as well? He says that. Jesus, I missed that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. I mean, you know, above and beyond. And uh, there's mention of her being a very attractive lady. So you'd think Jack would be well in there. But actually, the hmm. idea of being uh, shackled to a woman again doesn't appeal to him. And he, he can see she's keen. She is just a client. <laughs> she's just a client. Jack has a voice like a bin full of devils. <laughs> <laughs> He's like dinner that is a new one. <laughs> tonight. I'm just a client. <laughs> 
Um, he's clearly not interested, but he can't help being ingratiating on the phone to her. Mm. He just doesn't know how to not be. And obviously he still wants her business, so he's trying to like, balance that fine line. She definitely wants more than just his mainsail. That's, oh, yeah. I should have thought that one through. Um, <laughs> also, doesn't Avril mention to him crack at one point? She, she, this is the end of the scene, yeah. yeah. She says crack, yeah. like in a really odd way that doesn't explain at all what she means. Isn't she suggesting that he's uh, under, the, under the thumb? Yes, the it's a whip. She said that, that it's a, if I said crack, it's the noise a whip makes. And she smiles thinking she's made a really clever joke. But actually, it just sounds like she's shouted crack at her dad. Or that explains his voice. He is smoking crack. <laughs> I'm only, I can give up any time I want. <laughs> That would explain a lot, actually. Yeah. yeah, no, no. Anyway, we leave them there, talking of cracks, and we go to a road scene where Curtis in his sinister camper van <laughs> is rolling up in front of Abby's very posh parents' house. Very posh. And he doesn't fit in there. He doesn't no. look right. No. He's, he's, he doesn't look like he's cleaned his fingernails. You know, he's one of those types. Don't trust him. A vagrant. Uh, yes, but obviously Abby is very pleased and a little aroused to see him, I would guess. Well, she's reading a book about animal liberation. She is. Apparently it's a famous book. So I, because I couldn't quite see it on my screen, I thought it was by someone called Peter Minger. But apparently, no, it's Animal Liberation by Peter Singer. It's a, I looked it up, it's famous. Right. So clearly that's the tome you read when you want to become an activist. And, she's and struggling, though, because I think she's at the same point of it throughout the episode. Yeah, and she's not reading it. She just no. puts it there in case he pops around so that he'll fancy her. Mm. Anyway, he basically comes around to have a chat with her. I wanted to chat. He's clearly a bit interested in her and he can see that she's easily manipulatable. That's not even a word, is it? Yeah. But he's clearly got his sights set on indoctrinating her like a cult leader. He wants to blow up Parliament. He, he literally does. And she's like, you're not serious, are you? Yeah. And he goes, because, oh. Probably not. <laughs> but he challenges her, like, how much do you want to get involved? She's trying to convince him that she's not just a, you know, stand on the picket lines type of girl and she wants to get her hands dirty, but he's not in entirely convinced but she'll say anything at this point because I think she just wants to get off with him yeah and then Polly comes back brilliantly brandishing an alligator handbag is that bag alligator <laughs> oh do you like it <laughs> I'd rather like alligators <laughs> he's so there's a lot of smirking this week yeah. he's very smirky and smarmy mm -hmm. and obviously just designed to be utterly repellent to everyone except Abby who has no taste at all mm -mm. then we cut to Relton Marine where um, these the are the boardroom. bits I switched off completely yeah no the business blah I'm afraid there's a lot of business blah Especially mm. at the end, they keep cutting away from... So it's Lynn's wedding episode. Yeah. They keep cutting away from the beautiful scenes of romance to have some more endless, boring business blah. It just it slows everything down. Yeah. And they just need to just pick up the pace a little bit. But so we're in the boardroom, unfortunately. Um, they're meeting about various different bits of uh, Relton business. The Barracuda's going to go in the boat show. I remember the boat show being quite a big thing when I was a kid, probably because I used to go down to the Isle of Wight and stuff. And I remember it was being in, advertised. Yeah, yeah. It was in, there was one in London, wasn't there? And I'm sure there's one in Southampton You used to get well. that in the Ideal Home exhibition advertised on telly. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They always look like magical, wonderful places until you actually went to them and just realised they were trade there's shows. boats in the millions all under one roof. <laughs> finish that. <laughs> it's called The Boat Show. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked you to finish that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> There's also some good extra work in this episode, oh, is in there? this boardroom scene particularly. Who, who caught well, your eye? Well, there's a bit where Avril, uh, I can't remember what she says, I'm sorry, uh, brings <laughs> blah, a revelation blah, business, to the blah, table. Blah, blah. Yeah. And there's a guy in glasses, uh, in glasses, wearing glasses. Yeah. He's not in a glass. <laughs> he just sits back in his chair and is like, oh my God, really shocked. Extra work. Does he get to say, oh my God, or does he just look, oh my God? He looks, oh my God. Because he's probably not paid to speak. If exactly. you start speaking, the money goes right up. I used to yeah. be an extra and like, oh God, you try and get a line so much just so you could get some more money. Yeah, it's a huge leap in pay. And then they start talking about warehousing and the fact that it's illegal. I don't know what warehousing is. 
And I wasn't really inspired to look it up, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> they obviously have done their research and then putting it in the business scenes and me just not caring. It's a sort of business equivalent of techno babble. Yeah, exactly. But now we go to Fashion HQ, mm. where Jan in monochrome leaf print is looking fabulous. She's with Sonia, who looks horrific. Sonia's the fashion designer who's going to make Lynn's wedding dress. She looks like she's from Total Recall, which <laughs> comes to play later, actually. Oh, really? With uh, the wedding dress. Well, so she she's... looks like her head's going to open up with Arnold Schwarzenegger inside. <laughs> oh, that's it. right. It's that head, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, no, I forgot that scene she does yeah. look a bit similar also the riddles playing in the, in the background it is here. nick kershaw i think is twice in this episode so maybe yes. his record label did a deal with well i was wondering because the bbc famously when they release stuff on dvd quite often replace the music because yes. they don't want to pay for it yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. all over this also um there was one episode in series one in fact it was the episode you did that the barbecue the hog yes. roast the and that was like roast. endless go west endless like, yeah. three or four tracks is amazing so the women are clucking around lynn who's having pins put in her wedding dress kate's there as well and sonia who's this very flamboyantly dressed fashion designer is making final adjustments she's a stickler for detail and she smokes she does she smokes cheroots because she's mm, an arty type of course and lynn is actually being a bit of a sulky child and rolling her eyes and going not another fitting um, mm. a bit of a spoiled brat quite frankly yeah but anyway she's going to look amazing so it'll all be worth it and she says something about how she's really got to get on and do those newspaper articles presumably she's still writing about her transatlantic crossing that she did solo do you not, were you aware of this no she did an ellen macarthur stole her dad's new boat and sailed it to new york <laughs> why isn't she a dame now isn't that how it works <laughs> i'm sure it's in the post i'm sure it is hmm. um, but you know she got lots of publicity uh, was that in series one uh, yes, it was. It was. No, 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 it was in this series. No, is this it? has all happened really recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It did last week. She just popped to New York on a boat. Oh, uh, good for her. Yeah, no, that's how she met her husband to be Claude, the Scottish Frenchman, because he is uh, the fashion designer who's working with her mum. But he was slightly oddly sent as a kind of chaperone to pick her up from New York and bring her back. He's the baddie from Beauty and the Beast, isn't he? Is he? I just mean, you know, the baddie in Beauty and the Beast has got black What's hair with name? a ponytail. Yes, it's the, it's the lame is ponytail. It's yeah. absolutely appalling. Everything else about him is so attractive, and yet that rat tail, ugh. I love the way he's called Claude. Claude. Can we think of a French name? Claude? <laughs> it's not Claude, it's Claude. Claude. Oh, he has Claude. some brilliant bits later. He does. He really does. I, I love Claude, and I won't hear a word said against him. I think his accent is fantastic. <laughs> you just you wait. Except for the rat tail. That I just, or oh. if, I, if, I was, if I was, I would wait till he's asleep, but I just cut it off. Mm. Horrible. Horrible. Anyway, uh, Jan asks Sonia to come into the office. She wants to have a quiet word with her. That's where you can hear uh, the riddle by Nick Kershaw playing on the radio in the workroom. Thank you. <laughs> we won't have to pay for this, will we? No. <laughs> it's such a bad version, we didn't have to pay for it. Um, and then, well, <laughs> you're welcome. And ja so Jan is worried. Um, Claude, who is obviously marrying her daughter, he was formally engaged to a French sort of fashion maven called Hélène. He jilted her to leave to come to England and they're worried that Helena's kind of black marked their name in on the continent so they can't get any supplies and it's ruining their business and so Sonia sort of gives her some advice says to find some British supplies instead and she'll she'll give Jan some leads so that's a little bit of fashion blah instead of mm. business blah but there we go there had to be a bit and then we go to Charles Freer's house where sitting on grey leather power sofas uh, is Sir John Stevens the famous international banker. Oh, of course. Uh, and Gerald and Charles, and they're sort of having a business picnic where everyone's eating sandwiches. I'm fascinated in eating scenes where they're really, they really appear to be going for it. So I'm, just, I'm just thinking, oh, how many times did they do that? Mm. Are they really full of bread? Are their mouths getting all claggy? Because <laughs> they're just eating bread constantly. Yeah. Charles Freer, uh, Tony Anholt, is really necking the sandwiches in the most impressive fashion. There's a lot of business blah, a lot of sandwich acting. They're talking about the takeover again. Over at the Urquhart's, Polly is, I put in here, lemon horror. She's wearing, she must be wearing something disgusting and yellow. Yeah. She's brandishing the wedding invitation for Lynn's wedding. It's clearly the talk of Tarrant. And it Abby... Is. 
Abby, Abby is literally not interested at all. Still in reading the same book. Yes, yeah, she is. Same page. <laughs> also, Polly does some terrible acting here. <laughs> she doesn't. She not. really does. No, she doesn't. She's, she's, oh, the director's obviously said, right, you need to talk and keep talking, even though Abby's yeah. trying to get your attention. Yeah. But she's doing it really badly. <laughs> she's like, not. Oh, and then, what dress am I going to wear? Her and then, full of the wedding. <laughs> and she's like, will you stop talking about the bloody wedding? <laughs> I liked that bit. I thought it was good. But why does she interrupt her? What the, What's the question that Abby has for her? Shockingly. I want to know who my father is. I think I deserve <laughs> That's to know. right, exactly. And Polly flips her lid at this. And she says, I don't know, it was dark around the back of the chip shop. <laughs> yes, she does, the dirty scutter. No, she do- obviously she does know, she just w- is withholding the information, which is mean, I think. But you know, they have a furious blow up and Abby storms out, as per usual. Mm. But this will come to a head eventually. Anyway, back at Fashion HQ, Jan is railing at Claude, saying he needs to talk to his ex-fiancée because she's causing problems for their business. And he's angry and temperamental because he's fashion and French and all that stuff. And meanwhile, Ken is glowering in a doorway nearby and and can see that Jan and Claude aren't getting on. And he likes that because he always found Claude a bit of a threat. But Ken and Jan aren't really doing it at the moment because they kind of fell out because Ken got her son beaten up. Did he? (laughs) Yeah. He got Leo beaten up? Yeah, he paid some thugs to go and duff up the protesters, not probably not realising that Leo might be one of them. So he was in the direct line of one of the You see, the last time I was on this, he was kind of flirting with Jan. Oh, well. And now it would seem, from conversations with the mother later, that they've actually had an affair. They've had a thing... They've like fully boned an Ev. Mm. And, um, but now obviously Jan's a bit cross with him because, you know, the sun bashing thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she can't trust him at the moment. She still has feelings for him, but she can't be with him right now. And um, he's getting quite frustrated because he, he just assumed, I think, that his, his charm would win her back in the end. But it just isn't working. She's holding out. She's got other things on her mind anyway. Yeah. So Ken's going to be coming to see her. They also fell out before this because she wanted his investment for her fashion business and he wouldn't give it so she had to go and remortgage her house and get it herself from the bank so uh, they have a row about that now he goes to talk to her and she's still kind of really off with him and he said I thought we had a relationship that was uh, that didn't depend on business was that all I was good for and she doesn't answer no maybe yes then so clearly she just wanted his wallet that's it anyway she's very upset with him she can't speak to him and we just leave them at an impasse then we go to the bank where poor Kate who has got herself uh, in serious debt because of the racehorse she part owns with four other people no three other people she owns a leg of Aztec boy yes Um, Aztec boy's leg I don't know which one but one of the legs doesn't work at the moment so he can't run and she's now in the hole for like 17k yes which is a lot of money and um, it's last resort time she can't pay up well the bank manager says something about making a charge upon her house but I don't think that just means they have, she has to sell house I really don't enjoy the scenes where Dulcie Gray is having to play an unhappy character I want her to have nicer happier scenes because she's my favourite actress in this um, I actually had a conversation on the way in today uh, to the studio uh, with my son and he was saying if we had a dog what would you call it and I said I'd call it Dulcie Oh. after Dulcie Gray because I love her anyway we cut back then to the office at the yard where Jack comes in with muddy boots and Avril grins at him your girlfriend rang because she likes taunting him Mrs Davis Seeger was not my girlfriend <laughs> just a client remember <laughs> but the amount she rings she's more of a stalker really mm. she doesn't leave him alone well she rings immediately after she does he, does, he does some great phone acting he does tonight <laughs> I'd love to a concert a concert yeah so he's great. going to a concert with her and actually Avril's quite surprised to 
have been invited to Lynn's wedding because obviously, you know, she and Lynn never been that close because obviously Lynn's dad went off with Avril, uh, ending the marriage of her parents. So it's it's quite nice that they've they've been open hearted enough to invite all the people they shagged when their marriage went down. Yeah. Also, uh, when she shows the invitation, she says, me too. And I suspect there's a lot of that going on in Tarrant. <laughs> oh, my God, like loads of it. Loads of and it. And Avril's been on the receiving end of most of it, mostly from David Lloyd, actually. But anyway, yeah, he's, he's, he made a bit of a play for her. Mm. She was like, Ugh, no thanks, not in that jumper. And he was a bit put out. Of course. Um, he, you can see the romantic longings of David Lloyd are still in evidence later in the episode. Very much so. Anyway, then we go to the Yacht Club. Now, you haven't met these characters before, I don't think. No. But Mark Foster, he's kind of like a powerboat guy. And he can drive them. He drives them. Is that what you say on water? I don't yeah. know. Pilots them. He pilots them. Um, so he's there drinking loads of whiskey on his own, seemingly. But it's not. turns out all the glasses aren't for him. His wife is powdering her nose. His very insanely hot wife, Sarah, who is clearly on heat. Because <laughs> the minute she sees Ken, she goes, Ugh. Also, um, there's a line said here that you would never expect to find on a British thing about boats. Go on. I thought we were here to talk turkey. <laughs> That's a very dark place, Matt Holness, isn't it? it? Really That's, is. Let's talk turkey. Um, yeah, it's a brilliant bit of sort of macho posturing because whenever these two men are in the same scene, usually with Sarah, they start the... Although I don't always think that Mark is quite aware how advanced the flirtation is between Ken and his wife, but there's always a little bit of It's got its own sax of, break. Yeah, no, exactly. It mm. literally does. They have their own sexy sax refrain. The also, there's a moment hands. here where Sarah Foster... Uh, is the business head of the team. Oh, yeah. And Ken seems a bit like a woman. Yeah, I'm so turned on and confused. Mm. <laughs> it's really good. But yeah, Mark calls her the little lady, clearly grossly underestimating lots of things about her. I'm sure her. Ken would like to check her figures. <laughs> I'm sure they're perfectly well Hashtag round. me too! Hashtag me too! <laughs> I'm sure they're perfectly rounded. Yes, I'm sure they are. You watch way too much James Bond, John. I do, sorry. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, she's introduced as uh, Sarah Foster. Um, I think Ken says, Mrs. Foster, something nice to meet you. And she says, please call me Sarah. Mm. And the sax kicks in. Mm. Uh, Ken's eyes clearly go slightly glazed. And uh, the two of them are set for presumably future frotting. I can't imagine that. You can imagine if they just put in a slow swanny whistle. Like, <laughs> to, 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 to show I his, think his you boner. put that in yourself, didn't you? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But Simon May didn't need to. It was really playing in your head anyway. <laughs> then we cut to the churchyard. Much more innocent things. Uh, young love is blossoming. Lynn and Claude are walking along the path of the churchyard with an, a decrepit vicar with a cane. Mm. <laughs> he's really building his part up. And yeah. he's going on and on about marriage and asking if they're having kids and all this stuff. And they're sort of humouring him. And it's it's a bit of a nothing scene. It just sets up that that's what's happening next. Like the wedding is coming. Back at the yacht club, um, mm. Sarah. This is where she becomes like business bitch. She plays hardball with Ken. He likes it. Like Mark might as well not be there because they're just smirking at each other so much. And he says the immortal line: "I have a lot of contacts in the chandlery business." Mm. <laughs> that's going to really impress her. All Mark can hear is that he might be getting a windfall out of this. So he's eighty to hundred k, which is a lot of money. Yeah, I don't know where Ken gets it. I thought he was bankrupt. Then there's a bit of double play about Sarah suggesting to Ken or maybe Ken suggesting to Sarah um, that in business sense anyway they could be made for each other and she kind of answers with her eyebrows like maybe we are they just go up and down and up and down it's basically the coffee advert language of love Mm. the kind of the arched eyebrow Held like I, I, I'm, I can only imagine this woman has done coffee adverts. She looks like she knows what she's doing. Um, but yeah, so she communicates her sexy interest in Ken 
with a mere arch of her eyebrow, which I thought was very impressive. And then we go back to the church where Lynn and Claude, they're going to yeah. go and choose some hymns. And Lynn's kind of perched on the stool of the organ uh, and the organ player. Peter, again, who's building his part up massively, yeah. <laughs> even with his back to us, is like, I'm just going to crane myself around here so you can see my, my face. But I imagine the scene happening in real time, yeah. him going, well, and it's not like that when I play it. And then he <laughs> starts like hammering his hands <laughs> and then the music comes on. And like when they shot that, he's probably just doing that and they all have to stand there going, Yeah, wow. it's very hard to play an organ. They're not easy. You know, well, you, you can't, not anyone can just, just ask Ken. <laughs> play an organ. I just remember. Gaston is the name of that's the That's him, that's him. I think somebody else may have likened uh, Claude to Gaston. No he is a, he's a sentient candlestick. No, that's, that's that's one of the others, isn't it? Yeah. That's Illuminaire, whatever That's it, it. Yeah, 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 the candle guy. Yeah, that's The him. candle guy, as he's otherwise known. <laughs> the candle guy. <laughs> I'm really au okay fait with this film. Mm. Um, yeah, no, the, the vicar suggests that Peter's version of Dear Lord and Father of Mankind is much shorter. Yeah. So I presume he just played at double speed, like yeah. a song on he just helium. rocks through it. I think that sounds great. I'd yeah. love that at my wedding, if I could do it again now. <laughs> A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Anyway, back at the Howard's house, uh, Kate's in, sort of inspecting wedding presents and Ken arrives brandishing a suitably loose looking gift for Lynn because he's trying to ingratiate himself with his, well, he wants her to be basically his mother-in-law. And he's trying to use her as a way in because he can't get through to Jan. Jan is not talking to him. So he tries the Kate angle and he brings her a bottle of brandy. Her favourite tipple. And she kind of goes for it. And for a minute there, I was like, what? She's an alcoholic. <laughs> well, no, she's not. She's a gambling addict. But I was just quite surprised that she fell for Ken's charm so easily. He's a man. <laughs> Are you saying you would have fallen for Ken that easily? Of course. 
enjoy the bottle of brandy. Of course. What would you've had to bring you? A bottle of what? Oh, um... Blue Nun? What's your tip? Bottle of Budweiser. Oh, horrible American beer. Good, it's good to know. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, they, the two of them sit down for a little sort of tete-a-tete. Kate softens when he gets uh, her favourite drink out. He's bothered to find out what she likes to drink. And Ken tries to probe her. Well, no, first of all, he offers her a job. He tries <laughs> John's to what? face then. He tries to probe her about about um, Jan. Yes. So I not, think... Not, he, well, he first says... Not that in, th- like, at an ana- anatomical terms. No. I think he says, I th- I'm offering you a full-time job. Mm. You've been running... The boutique wonderfully she's been doing shifts and she's a really good saleswoman also isn't it weird that jan harvey is called jan i know and her mum's maiden oh, name is harvey i know so she is jan harvey yeah she is she played herself that's odd isn't it it's it's completely insane yeah yeah can't just, explain it john I can't. maybe it was a way they lured clearly she was first choice for the part maybe that's how they lured it's her. literally been written for you well i mean you know who wouldn't be flattered by that Anyway, I, mm. I think she's rather marvellous. Yes. Um, this scene kind of plays out. She doesn't say no to his offer of running the boutique and she doesn't entirely block him where Jan's concerned, but she doesn't really give him much to go on. She doesn't really want their relationship. She's not going to encourage them to get back together. Um, so I think she's happy just to leave them sort of separately. She's still probably got hopes that, you know, Tom and Jan will re- reunite at some point. And they still address each other as Mrs. Harvey and Mr. Masters. It stays quite formal. Yes. She's not giving too much away. That's uh, until after the probing. <laughs> and then it's like cool. Ken <laughs> Dulcie no no that would never happen um, then we go to the garden of the Howard's house which you forget like they live in a mansion it's huge mm. and they're having this big marquee put up for the wedding it looks a bit like a circus tent it does it's, it's, it's kind of nautical stripes it's blue and white stripes isn't mm. it it does look a little bit like some clowns might be in there um, and parcels are arriving flowers are arriving Lynn's brandishing Jan's garter and running around the kitchen with it giggling it's all like lovely pre-wedding kind of delightful family scene all the women are kind of clucking and giggling together. It's rather nice. And Jan is kind of being all organisy and sorting out caterers this and marquees that and bits and bobs. And then over at the Jolly Sailor, meanwhile, Ken is drinking a pint alone. Mm. So normally he's, we see him drinking spirits or something a bit more sophisticated, but clearly when no one's looking, he's a pub and pint man. And he's reading the paper as well. Yeah, he is. Did you notice what paper it was? No. Have they dummied like a special Tarrant newspaper? I don't know. People used to read local newspapers back he then. He probably made it himself. It probably says the Tarrant <laughs> Gazette and on the front it says Ken Masters is great. <laughs> Exclusive. I might have to dummy that up. Um, this is, again, Nick Kershaw, I'm pretty sure, is on the jukebox yeah. in the pub. So there's some shenanigans going on there. Mm. If, if anyone ever uh, has met Nick Kershaw or is going to meet him, please ask him why he was in Howard's Way so much. Maybe he was what was fan. going on? Poor Dawn, at this point, comes back into the pub, uh, finds Ken at the bar, and almost seems that she hasn't arranged to meet him there, but basically says to him, um, I'm moving out of the pub. She must have been staying in the Jolly Sailor. People do that sometimes when mm. they've got nowhere else to go. Poor Dawn comes into the pub. She finds Ken at the bar and effectively just says, can I move in with you? <laughs> she is, says, you know, she says, I'm giving up my room in the Ceylon. <laughs> the Sailor, the Jolly Sailor. Oh, I thought she meant like a salon. Mm. No, no. The oh. say she just can't pronounce salon. That's what I thought. Poor Dawn. She's probably an autodidact. She's not educated. No. Anyway, um, yeah, he gives her, quite gently for Ken, normally he's quite horrible to Dawn, she's helped him set up the Mark Foster deal because Mark Foster's one of her ex-shags. And so as a thank you for that, she gets a finder's fee of 500 quid, but basically the massive brush off. He's got Jan in his sights now. He doesn't want Dawn around and he tells her to get lost. So this is, I think this is the end of the road for Dawn. Yeah. I think the, 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 well, the end of the episode, we see her kind of forlornly 
leaving Tarrant, we assume, for the last time. It's really not a very, it's not a very nice way to go, but uh, I, I think she, her course is run now in Howard's Way. There's nothing else for her to do. Well, Ken gives her 500 quid as well. Yeah, no, he does. He pays her off. Like, yeah. it, it calls in it cash. a cash fee. Well, he just happens to have it in his pocket, yeah. sitting at the pub with five, 500 quid in your pocket. Yeah, so it's a little bit odd. Sends her on her way anyway. She doesn't put up a fight because she knows there's no point. His affections lie elsewhere now. Over at Relton Marine, David Lloyd is giving Avril a kind of slightly creepy grilling which he does quite often. Yeah. Um, he's made a pass at her before now, like not like full on tongue out, kind of like me too. But he's definitely suggested that he might find her attractive and she's just gone, Bleh! Mm. not in a million years, not if every other man on earth was dead. But he still can't quite let go. So yeah, she's sitting there in this really, really disgusting out of like brown plaid jacket. It's just not very nice at all. But he still, he still finds her irresistible. He gets her a coffee. Um, he asks her about her personal association with Charles Frere because he's kind of suspicious that she might be working with him on this takeover. Yeah. Which is ironic considering what we see later. And he's very sort of, uh, he implies that she's not loyal to the company. And then suddenly he just does this big turnaround where she kind of says, you know, what are you accusing me of? And he just says, I'm sorry, I was being malicious. It's Why like, do what? I always become obnoxious to people I care <laughs> I about? I know. It's like he's he's a bit schizo this episode. Like he, he, just, is. he just He can't quite decide whether he's evil or... He's going to be really, really upfront and honest with Avril. So clearly he's trying to, he's in the horns of a dilemma. I think he's been approached about his shares and he's trying to work out whether it's a good idea or not. Avril doesn't really give much away. Uh, she doesn't like him. She clearly finds him a bit of an oily tick. And so do I, quite frankly. Yeah, he's a dickhead. I mean, he plays the part very well, the actor, but bleh, he's a t- total slug. Um, back at the Howard's house, the family are all uncharacteristically together for once. And Kate says, such a lovely family, happy family occasion. Um, clearly she's just, she, she holds out hope that that unit will one day be back together again. And then they mention something they've literally never mentioned before. Someone says, where is the cat? (laughs) What cat? (laughs) What cat? I need to know name, what kind of cat. Like, there's never been a cat in that house. I swear to God. So I'm just interested. He's called Way. (laughs) It's Way. Oh, no, you didn't. I did. But I'm just, I'm fascinated with the decision to suddenly insert a cat into a situation where there has never been one. I shouldn't talk. You're talking about probing and inserting cats. This (gasps) is just getting crazy now. (laughs) I don't want you to think so literally, John. I think it's a problem for you. (laughs) I I have trouble with it. Okay. Tom is looking incredibly loose. He's got like his his ties undone. Smoking a cigar. He's got a cigar on the go. Yeah. And he's looking like he's, for all the world, like he's just had a really great shag. Mm. Um, he's on just his basking. own. I know, right? He then does an insurance advert. How, how does that Well, play? you get this like sweeping music turn on. Yeah. He's like, I was just thinking about when I first dropped you at mm. school. And it, we're not just there for the little things in life. <laughs> yes. He goes on forever. But at the end of the scene, he says, tomorrow I take you to the altar, like That's to right. sacrifice you. <laughs> Clearly, he and Leo are in this whole sacrifice business together. The Leo thing's really creepy, though. Not creepy. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. You um, can say that if you find him creepy. Well, no, it's just that since, I, since you dropped the bomb on me via your podcast, yeah. that he's Freddie Highmore's dad. Yeah. That's all I see now. I know, right? It's really I didn't even re- didn't even notice it before, but yeah. now I just see that little boy's face yeah. in his face. Yes. It's weird, isn't and it? And it is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they are very, very similar. The eyebrows, incredibly. I yes. Mean, you couldn't not inherit those eyebrows. So Tom is having this nice reminisce with Lynn about, you know, her being a little girl. I got quite emotional during that. I thought it was really sweet. 
And there's a nice moment of father-daughter bonding and then he says he's going to sacrifice her at an altar and it kind of ruins it all. It's, it's, it's a little bit culty. Mm. And then we cut straight to, no more messing about, we're going to church, we're going to the wedding. It cuts to the next morning, the bells in the church tower are ringing, there's pastel guests milling about in the churchyard. Um, there's lots of activity and much like a royal wedding, although it's a few years after the Charles and Diana nuptials, uh, but Lynn is kind of snuck out um, into the back of the car. We get a glimpse, we don't really see the full... This would Dress. be like Fergie and Andrew time, wouldn't it? Actually, yes, it would be. 86. That's true. Oh, it, it's the same year. There you go. Oh, you're good. I'd forgotten about those two. Mm. So they, Tom and Lynn, get in the back of the Rolls Royce. Very fancy car. Um, we see a little bit of what she's wearing. It's very 1920s. Sort of she looks like a space princess. She does look a little bit space princess. It's true. It's a little sci-fi. Mm. But they, they were clearly in the drawings that so- Sonia, who, has who is from Total her, Recall, who's from Total Recall. So the sci-fi yeah. is yeah, exactly. clearly evidence. Yeah. Um, she was, yeah, she was going quite heavily for the kind of Art Deco-y sort of bride thing and Lynn got this she failed well I don't know she entirely failed but you know that's just your opinion you're clearly an expert in fashion (laughs) look at me for God's sake (laughs) I mean I know I can't John you're too beautiful I know Um, (laughs) and then there's some lovely extra work a man and a woman across the road from the Howard House standing there never seen them before no I was going to ask about them they look like the two from where the the wind blows yes exactly they do they do they're just standing there staring waiting for her to come out the front door she gets in the back of the car the Here woman she comes. Says, Doesn't she look lovely? And yeah, and they're sort of standing there like lemons. But they get a line again. That woman will have been paid more than the man. He'll have resented her for that. Mm. I love the politics of extras. There's always an extra who really thinks they should have been an actor who's always trying to get that. Oh, it's, it's, it's a brilliant thing. Oh, when, I was a, when I was at school, we were kind of like the f- schools in our area were like feeders for Grange Hill. Uh, oh. And I knew a lot of people who'd been in it and they were always wow. given the choice. You can be in one episode and say a line. But or we you can never in, see you again. Yeah, yeah, or you can be in multiple episodes just walking about. Ah. That was the deal. So what, was the, what would people go for? Uh, a lot of people just went for the multiples. You would, wouldn't you? Like, you get time off school. Yeah. You get to go and hang out at Grange Hill. It's but I knew, I knew somebody, off. a couple of people I know, one of whom is a jobbing theatre actor now, is quite oh. famous. He was in it a lot, speaking. Really? Yeah. Really? Oh, Grange Hill, fancy. Anyway, we get a tiny glimpse of Lynn and she disappears into the back of the car. Back at the church, the other guests are arriving. Jan's there in the most incredible hat. Like a, describe the hat. It's, it's like a, a tulip explosion. It is. Yeah. It's like a graphic tulip, sort of like a exotic air hostess mm. tulip hot pink something they design on The Apprentice yes no no exactly almost exactly but the that. 80s were least kind of all I find to hats yeah no they, they massive are massive weird hats in this yeah they are quite I mean they're incredibly dated yeah you, none of them could come back now I don't think you, people um, would wear them now though Put what ironically in Shoreditch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Shoreditch, which we forgot to mention earlier, Ken says he was born in Shoreditch. Yeah. Nice detail. He didn't he didn't look like a hipster, but um I guess under all that he is. So yes, the wedding guests are clad in all kinds of crazy colours and, and designs. Polly is in a kind of weird sludge green and yellow affair, which I can't even describe. The colour no. is like almost I think they invented a new colour. It doesn't work for her because she's got orange hair. Well, I know. So I mean, she clashes with everything. It's quite difficult to dress her. I think but blue is normally the colour she wears most. It's that kind of weird Thatcher combo. She certainly can't wear white, right, no, <laughs> I don't think so, do you? <laughs> Abby, on the other hand, is kind of echoing Lynn's space 1920s theme. She's got like a little sort of 1920s kind of hat on mm. and a white she is wearing a white outfit even though she's also had a bastard child and shouldn't be um, but there we are good God and Avril is in kind of I 
But she looks a bit like someone from Dexy's Midnight Runners. Yes, that's <laughs> Like a mustard fair. sort of mop cap thing on a jaunty mm. angle. And Avril's still teasing Jack about your client, your client, clearly, because she has nothing else to do in this scene apart from say that. It's a, it's a weird situation to be at the wedding of your boyfriend's daughter when you know that the wife that he's still married to doesn't really like you. And so I guess she's feeling a bit ill at ease. So she decides to take the piss out of her dad to make herself feel better. Mm. What a bitch. And then out on the road, the Rolls Royce is going along the, the country lane. Lynn and Tom are in the back. And they're sort of holding hands and the theme tune, like the lovely sort of soft bit from the theme tune is playing in a refrain in the background. And then just in a moment of absolute bathos, we go past the bus stop and poor Dawn is just there with her big red suitcase looking sad. It's very, very sad. A big red leather 80s suitcase that everyone had to take everywhere. I know, but her whole life is in that case, John. Just made me feel so bad for her. Good. <laughs> I hope she's Dawn. miserable. No, Poor, she, all she did was fall in love with the wrong man. Back outside the church, the bridesmaids are. There's two grown-up bridesmaids in hideous peach sacks. They look absolutely fucking awful. Like I've never seen. I mean, it's not their fault, but the design obviously is just like saggy fabric going on for miles. They, they were tripping over the fabric. It was shapeless. No, no one could look sexy in those. probably used from tripods. Probably <laughs> left over from the unmade third series. What, some tents or something? Yeah. Tripods. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what they really... wore in the pink parrot in tripods. <laughs> As the car pulls up outside the church, there's a smattering of local applause because there's, there's just people rubbernecking. They're people not guests. People with fuck all to do in Tarrant. Like, there's no work in Tarrant because someone's having a wedding. Yeah, seriously. They're all just standing around waiting for something to happen. This isn't Diana. This isn't Fergie. No. It's just some bent from Tarrant who's but getting you're married. you're right. It is echoing a royal wedding quite a lot. So yeah. I think maybe it was just slightly playing into people's need to, you know, to see. I don't know. Did we ever do that? I, don't, I never stood outside a church and waited for a bride to arrive. But maybe if we were walking past the church and, the, and there was a wedding, you might hang around just to see if anyone was coming out. The yeah. only experience I've had outside churches <laughs> when someone's having a wedding is some dickhead will drive past and shout, don't do it. <laughs> I've seen that happen twice. Did that happen to you? No, thankfully I got married on a beach. Oh, did you? You're one of those people. Not on a beach, the church itself was on a beach. Oh, really? What, so, a foreign one? No, it was in Shoreham. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. that's nice. Oh, that's very sweet. I shouldn't tell everybody where I got married. They might go and like turn it into a shrine. Yeah, I know, there'll be a pilgrimage now. Yeah. It's be awful. Um, anyway. <laughs> but Ken so Masters lovely. is there. Yeah, so Ken Masters and Avril are there. I'm quite. I'm not surprised about Avril because I think we hear that she's received an invitation. Yeah. But maybe there was a trade-off, like if your bit on the side's coming, then mine can too. But um, I don't think Jan's that keen on having him there, so I'm quite. So I think they they cheated it a bit because they kind of wanted him there, looking lovingly at Jan during the wedding bit because he really wants to marry her and she's obviously not going. Yeah, to. he says that earlier. We forgot to mention that he really just That's wants right. to marry her. I know. Not just not just a one night thing. He actually loves her. Yeah. Which is quite funny because in real life, of course. I know. I don't know if you know this. What? No. What? <laughs> that Ken Masters and Jan Harvey what? in real life <laughs> worked on Howard's Way together. Did they? Yeah. Oh, no, I did know that. You know, I knew that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you silly idiot. I know. Anyway. I'm such a sausage. <laughs> you are. Such a wag. Anyway, back at Charles Freer's house, David Lloyd pulls up outside on the gravel driveway looking shifty. Is this Polly's house? <clears throat> no, it's Charles Freer's house. It looks exactly like it. They are um, similar, I was but confused. Charles's house is bigger and has a gravel driveway. Polly and Gerald's house is Big-ish, but doesn't have the big driveway. Right. So we do this weird thing now where we're cutting between business boring and then church, church, wedding, wedding. Marriage. Guess, yeah, guess which bit I wanted to see. Mm, um, same. <laughs> you see, I knew it. So at the church, the bridal march starts up. Claude is there looking so handsome, but then suddenly we see him from the back and all you can see is the rat's tail. See, the rat's tail makes me feel ill because, yes, it's bad, yeah, but then know. you imagine at night he'll take off the thing no. and you'll just have this giant no. mullet hanging no. down. No, no, no. Business at the front, party, party at the back. Party at the back, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, it's, it's, 
they're just oh. the worst look in the world. Unless he's going straight to the West End to star as Jean Valjean, he shouldn't have or it. Or Gaston. Get rid of it, no or Gaston. No yeah. one gets married like Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you know the words of the songs. Uh, yes. Bloody hell. Is that Was that before you had children or because you've got children? Before, I think. Oh. I, I quite like a musical. Do you really? Yeah, I do. I would never have guessed that about you. You know the film I'm most excited about at the moment? What? Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, no, me too. Yeah. One of my friends saw it and uh, it, I said it was absolutely everything you I've wanted I've been listening to, to the soundtrack a lot and it's good. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, I'm going to mm. go and see it, definitely. So anyway, back at the wedding, we'll mm. just try not to think about the rat's tail and what that implies about when he takes his hair down at night. Um, Jan is sort of looking a little bit... There's a bit of a bittersweet thing going on for her because obviously her marriage has gone wrong and, you know, they're all being made to think about the serious vows you take. She's really happy for her daughter, but also she's feeling a little bit, oh, must up my marriage. Back at the bus stop, poor Dawn uh, sees the bus coming. She climbs aboard with her big red case. The, the bus actually goes past the church and she looks forlornly out the window. I think that might be it for her. I don't think she comes back. You've seen I, all these, haven't you? Yeah, no, but there's like six series. I'm pretty oh. sure you don't see her again. No, I'm pretty sure you don't. feels like a bit of a sad way for her to go. Dawn I wish has broken. Given... <laughs> I'm afraid she has. Oh, Dawn. Bye-bye, uh, Dawn. We'll miss you. Back at the church... The vows are going on now, and Claude, Claude is doing them in his best uh, French accent. This I is will, like I will. This is like the, the director said to him when well, all the, the casting people said to him, "Can you do a French accent?" He yep. said, "Oh yeah." Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> and then, like, right, well, in this episode, you're going to read out loads of lines. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, dear. No, it's brilliant. You, I With this thing, uh, the word <laughs> in the name of the father. <laughs> All he has to do is repeat after the vicar. It's easy. We've all done it. It is a breaking point, though, by the end. It's like, this is not a French person. <laughs> I didn't... My ears, honestly, all I can hear is France. All I can hear is onions and garlic and, and accordions whenever he opens and his And the door. odd can of iron brew chucked in for good measure. <laughs> Tonics, tea cakes. <laughs> Mon dieu. Then we have to cut from the church again, which is just, oh, do we have to? For more, more business, blah, which, frankly, I don't need right now. Just stay on the church, stay on the wedding. That's the main event. But Charles enters the scene to talk to David Lloyd in an alarming salmon pink v-neck. Like, I've never seen him wear anything like that. He looks like all. real brandy they're having as well. I know, I think it might be. Yeah. Also, maybe he's just trying to outshine the wedding scene, like like Lynn and her jazzy cardigan and Alan mm. Partridge. <laughs> like, is that your mum's money coming through? <laughs> um, so, so David Lord is clearly ready to jump into bed with uh, Charles in a business sense. And It'd be they're much drinking. better if it cut back to them having sex, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, so much of the business stuff is, is homoerotic in the extreme. It's if incredible. it was like scum style in his greenhouse. <laughs> You know the film Scum? <laughs> yes. Yeah, where the man gets... When he gets made love to by another prisoner. It's a lovely way of putting it, John. Well, it is, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's a oh beautiful moment. Oh, well, actually, it's not. It's horrific. He's preparing him, clearly, for this by offering him a large tumbler full of whiskey. Um, <laughs> this will dull the pain. <laughs> oh, my God. Why do your podcasts always take this turn? What's wrong with you? Back to the church, God damn it! So, back at the church... Claude is continuing to, to, in a beautiful French accent, to recite his vows. He says the line about with my body, I the oh, honour, yeah. in a very saucy way, which makes me think that wedding night is going to be some fun. Um, he's very sincere. He's very, sort of very earnest. Jan, that we cut to the faces around the church now watching the vows. Mm. Jan, bittersweet, slightly teary eyed. Ken just looks a bit sort of terrifying and stalky at the back of Jan's Longingly head. Longingly at Jan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tom looks proud and Kate looks teary. It's basically, it's gone off without a hitch. It's a nice family day, but there are undercurrents of, you know. And you get a lovely lady angel singing, ooh. 
always there. <laughs> if they just had her dressed as an angel at the back, that would have been bloody perfect. Wouldn't it? Um, if Richard Curtis was directing this episode, they would have done that. They would have done that. They'd yeah. have found a way to get her in there. Back to some boring. This is the last thing you want now, but back to the business blah again. Um, Charles and David are talking about how flexible David is. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> While he plies him with more whiskey. Well, yeah, he wipes it on more. the curtains. <laughs> oh, my God. OK, away from them quickly. <laughs> They're having full man sex. Um, Lynn and Claude uh, processing down the aisle after having wedded each other. They've done it. After saying, I will. I will, I will. Yeah. They get to the door of the church. They haven't really even looked at each other that much. They've been no. very formal. But then they get to the door of the church and like giddy children, <laughs> they run outside kind oh. of holding hands and laughing. And I did like this bit. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah. And everyone processes out after them in pairs. Even Tom and Jan are holding hands and they come out of the church, which just, oh, it gave me such hope. And, and it's a big, looks on longingly at She this does, because obviously she's happy for Tom, but she can see that that's not quite done yet, the whole him and Jan history thing. There's too much of it. Always there is still playing as they're mingling oh, in the churchyard. Thank you, John. If you could just keep that going while I talk, that would be great. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then we end the episode, don't stop, we end the episode on a shot looking up into a tree and someone has dropped rose petals down onto the lens of the camera and it's so beautiful and that's how we end and then it fades to a shot of the sea and then Marty sings. She was in the charts with it at this point as well, wasn't she? Well, she was. I think that's why they used it for the whole of series two. Mm. I'm pretty sure they go back to Barracuda for the next series. I'm sure they do. But understandably, to keep it in the charts, I imagine it was uh, it was used just for one series. And then that's it. End of episode. Romantic or what? And boring at the same oh, time. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was if like you, marrying Chris Evans. <laughs> How was it like marrying Chris Evans? Because it's romantic and boring. He'll buy you a car when you turn 18. Yeah, that's what you fill a car with flowers. Is that yeah. right? Send it around. And then you have to go and house. live with Chris Evans. <laughs> No, you have to travel around with him and Danny Baker getting shit-faced for, like, three years. But Billy Piper must be really (laughs) deep down, scarred emotionally from that whole thing. I mean, I couldn't say. She seems fine now. Um, You know, we we all make mistakes in our youth, don't we? She just just remembered, you know, when you were at school, you're told never to get in strangers' cars. (laughs) Even if they fill them with balloons and flowers when you're, like, basically a child. When you're legal. (laughs) Ew! Mm. Anyway, back to the romance. Yeah. So Lynn and Claude are now set on a sea of happiness. To the end of their days now, they shall have a lovely, happy marriage. Hmm. Because that's, yeah, a happy wedding in this kind of drama never actually turns out to be that, does it? I was hoping she was going to get together with Phil Norton. <laughs> Why? Because of the free hog roasts. The hog roasts, the boat. <laughs> All the go west you can eat. All the go west you can eat. A swimming pool. <laughs> And, and he's quite rapey. Yeah, and in yeah, jo- yeah. when he's in Jonathan Creek, he has a rat tail as oh, well. Oh, that's right. He does. He's the magician, isn't he, that yeah, Jonathan Creek works for? Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, whatever he's called. Adam, Adam Thingy. Whatever his name is. Jo- Jonathan Creek podcast should be next, I think, shouldn't it? I'd like to do it. I'd like to call it Up the Creek. <laughs> and I'd have it like, like always there. Uh, but I just haven't got time to do it. <laughs> okay, So fine. someone else do well, it. Well, if please. someone could just get on that, please. We'd like to listen to it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now, John, um, mm. you know, normally on the show, um, yeah. uh, at the end of the podcast, my guest sings the theme tune. Yeah. Um, are, are you up for that this time? Or? I, can't, I can't, I'm afraid. I've, I've, got, I've just done some singing for you there. I've, I've strained my throat. John! <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can't. Plus, I've already done it. Oh, so I do And I it have was to so good. Song? I think you'll, I nominate you. Oh, bloody hell. Like this is some sort of jungle thing. <laughs> I nominate you to I, eat a bat. A bowl of dicks and sing that song. I'm not eating a bowl of dicks. That's what they have to do. (laughs) 
Do you have any requests for the song or just generally make one up? I'd like it to be about uh, the wedding vows, please. Okay, all right. So you have to do it in a funny French accent. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, I'll do that. That's fine. Good. Well, um, it just remains for me to say, um, I really hope you enjoyed the podcast. We're nearly at series end now. We've got an amazing few guests to come uh, to, to round off this series. Stay tuned. Um, come and say hi on Twitter. We're at Always There Pod. Um, we always like to hear from you. And now, John Rain, please allow me to thank you for being always there. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. You're doing a very good job. <laughs> Thanks. Good nooning. Outside your coffee was this bunch of diffidos and doozies. Pardon me if I love you, but I have my dirty to do. Good morning. Great big owl. <laughs>